In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's a bit of a fishy tale, this one. Not just because of the fish that happens to have a, a golden uh, shekel uh, in its mouth, but because the question asked is, did Jesus pay taxes? Peter refutes the question asked of him. But if it's true that Jesus had paid his taxes, then why is it the case that he instructs Peter to go and find a particular fish with a particular coin to pay that shekel temple tax for both Jesus and Peter? The fact of the matter is this story is not there as some piece of history. It's designed to raise questions for Greek-speaking Jewish Christians living after the destruction of the temple, so living sometime after 70 AD. And the, the passage is included in the Gospel because it's, it's, it's a conversation that's been had about how do people relate to the growing church? What are the responsibilities for these new followers of the gospel in terms of the church, but also in terms of their relationship with their community, namely the people they live beside and specifically those who hold power, the temple or the Romans. A story is built around Peter catching a specific fish. And the story is told in such a way to allow the hearer and the reader now to expand thought towards the big picture of what's happening. And for us, the themes to consider are quite clear. So what are our responsibilities to the church? that we are members of, or that we are associated with, or that we attend from time to time. And secondly, what, as the church, as people of the church, should our relationship be with society, with the government, with nation, and with the world? So let's understand, first of all, the type of tax that the story is talking about. It's temple tax. So there are two types of taxes at the time of the story. Tax paid to the Roman Empire and tax that's mandatory paid to the temple. And it goes back to the Exodus, that story uh, that Bill read from the uh, time of Moses. That's the, the, the foundation of this requirement, responsibility of the followers of the Jewish faith and now the new church to pay tax to the temple. And it's a half shekel, a half shekel tax to be paid annually if you're over the age of 20. And the collectors represented the Jewish religious establishment in Jerusalem. Now we know that there are different types of tax collectors uh, in, in the Bible. There are those who work for the Romans, uh, but, but here we're talking about the people of the temple itself who collect the money. So it is temple tax, but Jesus makes the connection with the other tax, with the Roman tax, because in his response to Peter, 
he speaks of the question, does the emperor's family pay tax? And of course the answer is no. If you're the children of the emperor, you don't have to pay tax. So Jesus is saying, well, in that case, in our case, the temple tax, if this is my father's house, if I am the father's son, then why should I be paying tax? A good point that Jesus makes, but then he says, nonetheless, Peter, go find a fish and let's pay the temple tax. So what's Jesus saying? Well, he's effectively saying that no follower is exempt from supporting the work of the church or of God. The nearest equivalent that we have in our society to this temple tax is effectively the offering that people make to the church as a sign of their faith and commitment to it. In the Church of Scotland, for a long time, it was called Christian liberality. Always bundled with time and talent and skill, and bundled together under the banner of our stewardship commitment. As stewards, how do we use our talents? How do we give our talents to the work of the church? As an aside, I wonder in this story if the shekel from the fish was gift-aidable. I I hope so, because we know the importance of gift-aid, that for everything that we give, the government, through the the, the scheme of of gift-aid, allows a little bit more to be raised by charities. Seriously, though, This passage must remind us, no, I think it challenges us, to think about our Christian liberality. You might recognise that faith leads to the use of our talents. A talent in Roman society was of economic value. Our Christian liberality is about the, the value that we can give back to the church, be it in terms of time, in skill, in experience, or in money, our offering. We know, as the General Assembly sits in Edinburgh, that the church in Scotland is living in challenging times. There is no debate about that. And, and we can sometimes sit here in Manfield and think that we're doing okay, uh, the treasurer reports annually that we're, we're not far off from breaking even. And we, we know the church is quite busy. And, but the church across Scotland is struggling. There's no doubt about that. And the changes that will come out of this week will be significant. Um, and locally in Aberdeen, there are changes afoot with many church congregations having to close, many church buildings having to be closed and sold off. That's the reality. But we do that, we do all of this, all of this change, all of this radical change is there to allow the church to continue into the future and to continue its influence on our society and nation. So it's what we need to do to protect the value of what we can offer going forward.
I think this story does challenge us to think about our stewardship here. This morning is not a full-blown stewardship campaign. This is about dropping in to our psyche, our thought process, the fact that the church, we, the Kirk Session, we are all so appreciative of the generosity of this congregation, of the people of our congregation. We don't take what you feel able to give for granted. But we do know that as we move forward, if we want to fulfil the potential that we have for our mission and outreach, that Christian stewardship is something that needs to be kept before us. And I do hope that the message of Jesus saying, even I pay the temple tax, is a reminder to us all about how important our offering is to the church. The second aspect of the story asks us to consider the connection that we have with society, with government, with the people who live near us. Remember that the story in the way it is told today is a story, of course, about a time when Jesus was alive and talking to Peter. But the story was written, the story was put together by the Gospel writer Matthew some 30 years after Jesus died. So although the story is about when Jesus was alive, it's been told in an era when the temple had already been destroyed. So there was no temple. But the temple tax was still paid. The Romans took the temple tax. They used the temple tax for the building of roads, sanitation, fresh water supply, viaducts, etc., etc. So we can understand that there, this was a, bit, a wee bit of a scandal. At the time that the story was written, it was a scandal. People would say, why should we be paying temple tax to the Romans? Matthew is taking a story to remind his community of the fact that the church cannot hide behind four walls. It cannot just exist as itself. It's part of society. Matthew is telling the story to almost challenge his people to say, yes, but Jesus still paid the tax and he didn't have to. So yes, we know that the money is going to Rome, but maybe we should pay. I mean, let's face it. The Romans are criticised for the a lot in history, but we do recognise that they taught us how to build roads, they think about the health improvements that came with better sanitation and fresh water, etc, etc. So it's not as if the money was going to something bad. So what does that say to us? Well, I think it reinforces the fact that, first of all, we should pay our taxes. You shouldn't dodge the tax man, tax man. Because at the end of the day, be it, what was it, 
Jesse was telling us about income tax, be it VAT, be it council tax. Those who have a responsibility to make our society safe and good and give opportunities to all and care for folk need our money to create the type of society that we would like to see created and built. So paying our taxes is a good thing. But doing our bit for others is also a good thing. And I think this passage, this story, reinforces that for the church we cannot be standoffish about the issues that we see. So though it's fine and good and proper and legal and lawful to pay our taxes, it's also good to use our democratic right to vote next Thursday, for instance, uh, to vote in our elections, to criticise when we, when we think that there are things wrong in society, sometimes even to protest. When we, in our Christian faith, see things that we do not feel are right or just, we shouldn't just ignore, we shouldn't just stay quiet. The passage today reminds us of our civic duty as God's people to create better, fairer civic societies. And I think that nicely leads us to Christian aid. There are many charities that we support, and I know that you are a very generous people, and the work of charities in Aberdeen is outstanding. The third sector is incredible in our, in our city. But Christian Aid is a particular charity that we as churches support. And I know that you've already done so uh, by giving generously, uh, both in monetary terms in your envelope, but also in the time you've given some of you to go out and to collect the envelopes. And it's much appreciated. This year's Christian Aid appeal focused on Sierra Leone. Devastated between 2014 and 2016 through the Ebola epidemic. And I've been reading some of the stories of life in Sierra Leone. In fact, maybe a better word for it would be death in Sierra Leone. Christian Aid has used the theme of a nation's tears to remind us of an image from our Bible of a time when God says tears will be wiped away. And it comes, that image comes from the book of Revelation. Last week we looked at a Bible reading often used at funerals that comes from, came from the Gospel of John. And it's interesting that a week after we're, we're again thinking of a Bible passage that often we hear at funerals. It comes from the book of Revelations, as I say. In that vision, he brings hope for the future. A vision of how God wants to be. He writes at a time when the Roman Empire is advancing and the Empire seeks more and more political and economic power. And to get it, the Romans demand that their own emperors are worshipped. But John says there is another way, and that's the way of worshipping God. The scene he describes provided an encouragement to the early churches to challenge the power that was there that would suppress the kingdom of God. And he says, 
God will wipe every tear from the eye of those who suffered. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more thirst. The sun will not strike them by day, nor the moon by night. God will guide them. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. And God himself will be with them, wiping tears from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first has passed away. One can only imagine how these words might bring comfort to thousands in Sierra Leone, devastated by the Ebola outbreak. For those who have lost loved ones, maybe particularly those who lost babies in childbirth at an alarming rate, Sierra Leone is the most dangerous place in the world to bring a child into the world because of the lack of appropriate health care. Reflecting in John's vision, the Reverend Christina Sutton, a minister in Sierra Leone, the partners Christian aid to spread healthcare messages says, there will no longer be tears in the eyes of women as now, when there are not enough hospitals to take care of our pregnant women. Or think of the tears of Jebba, who lost her sister in childbirth, her tears wiped away, or the tears of Tena, who mourns the death of her first baby, may her tears be wiped away. In a country where ten women die every day in childbirth, John's vision declares that there should be no more death, no more mourning. And so today, take a moment to imagine a heaven on earth where every tear will be wiped from our eyes. John does not share this vision as some far-off place that is very difficult to get to. He's not describing it as another world that will leave us depressed because we realise it's just too far a stretch to get there, to get to this life. John gives us this vision, this revelation, because it is within the grasp of humanity. He gives us the vision so that it changes us, that challenges us to do something different in our society, nation and world, to make life fairer and better and safer for everybody. And so this story today of Jesus and the temple tanks reminds us of our responsibility to interact with society, to give generously our taxes, but to give generously of ourselves as we seek to create a better world for everybody. Friends, let our generosity of time, of talent, of civic busyness, of money offered to the church testify to our faith. And let the church, let me just say this, let the church use what you give wisely. Because I think that's so important for the central church in Scotland to get right just now. There is so much generosity, there is so much love for the church of Scotland still. But some criticise how resources are being used. I don't know if some of you are familiar with the poem Assisi. Anybody? By Norman McCain. Nobody remember it from, from higher English. I still remember some of it. 
And the tales of a dwarf sitting hunched outside a beautiful cathedral with the frescoes of the church built to honour St Francis. The dwarf sits there begging and the image condemns the hypocrisy of an institution of religion that emphasises opulence over good works. I was reminded of that poem as I thought about these things, as I thought about the responsibility that we have as a church to make sure that the offerings so generously given are used in the correct way. And I think we do that here. There's not much opulence that can be seen around here. But this reminds us of how Jesus challenged the hypocrisy of the temple. But even as he challenged it, and you can think of a 50 episodes that he challenged the temple authorities in the Bible. But he still paid his taxes. For he saw the good that the temple could do. He saw the good that the temple, the church of God, should stand for. God knows the good that we do. God knows the potential of the church of Scotland today. So I guess the message of this is apt. Pay. Not by tax. But with the generosity of our giving, the good works that we do, the love we have for God and the commitment that we have for seeing a better civic society for all in our world. Amen. Let's sing together hymn 738, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken.